PFT Media. Little bit of dead bits. So many dead bits. Welcome to episode 28 of Tidbits. I'm your host, Edgy. Thank you for listening. Um, it's been a while since I've released an episode. It's been about four weeks now. Uh, I'm not going to be making excuses. Oh, you know what? No, I am going to be making excuses. But uh, I'll make it fast, though. Uh, my back's still bothering the hell out of me. Actually, it's gotten a lot better, but uh, I've been standing for portions of all the podcasts I produce on this network, and I recently had to go through physical therapy, which I'm now doing twice a week. It's, it's really not that bad. It's gotten a lot better, too, man. It's uh, I got a lot more. Uh, it, now the pain is just kind of annoying rather than excruciating. Uh, then uh, my dad, he just came home today, which is awesome. He was in the hospital for a little bit over a week. He had surgery on his foot. Uh, he got an infection in his foot. He's diabetic, so he has uh, bad circulation anyway. And he stepped on a roofing nail and actually walked around with it in his foot for a while because he didn't notice. Uh, and it got infected, and they had to cut off one of his toes. So he's home now. Everything's uh, everything's good. Uh, you know, the surgery went well and everything. I'm done with that now, okay? Uh, I was thinking recently that in order to get episodes out reliably, I would do a bunch at a time. I already have four interviews that haven't been used yet, which is annoying to me because I know the people in those interviews are waiting to hear them. Uh, so sorry about that, guys. I will have them. I'll roll them out as quickly as I possibly can. Uh, only problem is that I, I like to talk about whatever's going on with me or whatever random thing I think about at the time that I want to talk about. Uh, and you can't do that if you're recording multiple episodes in a row for later release. But, you know, I'll figure it out. You guys, it's not your job to, like, you know, tell me what you think. You just guys just have to listen. And if it turns out you don't like what I decided, write me, steve.etchy at gmail.com. Be like, hey, whatever you came up with, this that you're doing now, stop it. Uh, you know, maybe I'll even change it to a weekly podcast. Anyway, the interview this week is with Jordan, the lead singer of Volume Zero. Uh, these guys are from Indiana. Uh, I'm going there for Thanksgiving, so, you know, maybe I'll have to hit them up. I, uh, for those of you that don't know, my sister lives in Indiana, and that's why I'm going. I'm not spending uh, Thanksgiving with the band. <laughs> they are with Get Rad Records. Uh, if you guys are not familiar, it's run by uh, my best friend, Nick. Uh, anyway, it's a Get Rad Records band. Uh, Get Rad, their studios are in Winter Springs, so it's very, very close. It's about nine minutes from my house, actually. Uh, and, uh, yeah, this is one of the bands from Get Rad Records. And uh, once again, Volume Zero. If you go to Spotify, they are on Spotify. They only have one album. I can't remember which. Um, uh, I, I don't. I, I can't recommend a certain song. I don't remember uh, which ones I liked more. They're all good, but I don't remember what my favorite is. Anyway, um, I'm horrible at interviewing mu- musicians. Uh, I never know what to ask them. L- luckily, Jordan had other things to talk about. He was in the military. He not only shares his experiences, but we talk about other things like what he thinks about the VA and, you know, basically how the whole thing works, you know, um, a little bit of politics and whatnot. But um, I'm always excited to hear about uh, people from the military because, uh, I don't know, they're, they're always unique stories. And I feel like you never really know what it's like to be in the military, no matter how many stories you hear until you actually go into the military. So I'm never going to really uh, know what it's like to be in the military. But he does know. <laughs> All right, so you were in the military. Yes, I did uh, eight years in the United States Army. Wow. Okay, and you have a you have a story uh, involving where were you? 
Um, you asked me for a story earlier. Um, yeah. The best thing I can I can give you, probably the craziest thing I've ever seen. Um, I was in Afghanistan, and uh, there was this guy in Kandahar. He had no legs. He was... Uh, I don't know if it was like a landmine or what, but they were up to the hip and uh, just, just gone. They were missing, and... Uh, he would run around on his hands, and uh, we'd see this guy kind of running down the sidewalk when we were when we were rolling down the road, or we'd see uh, we'd see him out and about. And one night, we're out on this patrol. We're out to go uh, pick this guy up and and see what uh, what he was up to. We'd he'd been suspected of making bombs and selling guns and stuff. We're sitting at this alley, it's pitch dark, and I see this shape moving toward me. And I shine my flashlight over, and it's no leg guy running on his hands at me. And it was huh. hands down the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you know what this actually reminds me of? The, have you ever seen Kids? No, I haven't. No, We were okay. talking about it yesterday, but I haven't, oh, really? I haven't actually seen it yet. That's funny, just because it's not like a new movie or anything. But um, no, Yeah, there's, I'm a little behind. Yeah, no, there's a, is, is a part where uh, they have, and it's totally unrelated to anything else, but there's a guy on the, on the subway that uh, is on a skateboard, and he has, like, no legs at all. Yeah. And just keeps going, I have no legs, while he, like, shakes a change jar, and people are, like, putting change in it. It was awesome. I wish that guy kind of kind of would have been... I mean, awesome and sad. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> it was it was wild, man. Like that place is one of the most heavily landmined countries Jeez. in the world. Uh, Russia dropped a whole bunch of landmines when they invaded, and we were still dealing with that stuff when I was there. Uh, I saw there was a little girl. She used to hang out at our police station we were responsible for, and she uh, she was missing one from the knee down, um, but. Sweetest little girl. She was probably four or five years old, and every time we'd come into our police station, she'd have a basket of flowers, and she would hand us flowers as we oh, walked. Oh man, that's it was, awesome! It was adorable. <laughs> and then just one day, she just wasn't there, and we <laughs> never saw her again. I don't know what happened to her, and it kind of, kind of messed with me. It's almost worse than knowing something happened to her and it was horrible. You know what I mean? Like you don't. Yeah, the, just not knowing. The the. Unknown is worse than the known in my experience. Absolutely. I think, like, as a parent, I, perfect example, I would rather my kid die than somebody abducted him, him or her and I don't know what's going on if the person is still alive. You know what I mean? Even, like, yeah. 10 years later, you they could still be alive. You don't know. Yeah, you and know? It's, it's really sad to see that. You see a lot of documentaries now where where kids go missing and the parents just hold on hope and you never really know what the what the answer is. I I feel you there, man. Yeah, exactly. It's oh, it's awful. That's all I got, man. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> no, that's all right. Um, Creepy dude running on his hands with no legs. It's terrifying. That dude, is right? terrifying. It's, it looked like something out of silent. But he wasn't a soldier. He was Iraqi. Yeah, he was just a civilian. Okay, just hanging out. We'd see him every now and again. I mean, did you ever talk to him? I didn't talk to him. Um, we'd always ever see him in passing. Oh, okay. It was probably five or six times over the year I was there, and like we just kind of see him like, and he was really fast. Like he yeah. could he could sprint on his hands. Wow. So that's how you know he's been legless for a long time. Yeah. You know? It was 
I never saw him in a wheelchair. I just saw him. I always just saw him booking it somewhere on his hands, and it was wild. That's crazy. Yeah. Especially not being able to afford a wheelchair. That's 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 nuts. Or um, not even having access to one. Well, like, right, right. Yeah. Even if you could afford one, like they're not, you can't get them. Oh, I I don't know. I don't know what their what their medical setup is over there. Uh, Did he hang out around the police station too? Kind of like the girl. No, no. We ever only saw him like in the city in random places. Like we'd see him. I want to say like I saw him five or six times over the course of a year. And uh, he was he was always just kind of a random place. I saw him one time where he wasn't running creepily on his arms, and he was sitting uh, uh, begging and asking for money. Right. And we, we hooked him up with some food that day. But uh, otherwise, like, it was always just like, you kind of look out the window and you see this thing running on its <laughs> arms. It was just wild, man. Yeah. I, I, you may not know the answer to this, but I'm just curious. Um, do you think... Since he's you know hang, hanging out asking for money that kind of thing, um, it's a lot harder in Iraq. Like, how many Iraqis actually are charitable in that respect and give them money? You know what I mean? Well, I know uh, at least I've been educated on the fact that they they run a very tribal society over there. Families are very big, tribes are very big, and they kind of all take care of their own. Yeah, and. Um, in a way, I'd like to see that more enacted in our country. With, oh, definitely. Um, I mean, I think I think that our country is taxed past the point that we can really function, um, <laughs> and not a lot of good comes out of it. You see a lot of um, civil programs and a lot of uh, social programs that the government is running horribly mismanaged. Yeah. And we spend millions and billions of dollars on things that uh, nothing ever comes of it. They don't ever work the way they're supposed to. Yeah, is the problem. And I think that if if that burden was removed from the American people and people were able to like, I mean, there's the old saying that it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. If a lot of people were able to have that burden removed, retain more of their income, and then be able to help out their family yeah. or be able to uh, set more more funds aside to, to help each other and to, to survive. I think that it would do everybody a lot of good in that respect. So I'm not a I'm not really sure where the disconnect is with that, but I think that a lot of people uh, could probably do better helping each other out and and helping their families out than they could uh, having the government be the middleman in it. Yeah. Well, how long were you in the military for? Uh, I did eight years. Um, oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I figured, I was like, eh, two, yeah. one tour, two tours. I mean, you know, that's the yeah. norm, I think, you know? Yeah, I enlisted when I was 19, and uh, I was I was in from 2007 to 2015, and... Uh, uh, Three years of that uh, was was stateside in the in the National Guard, but okay. it's it's kind of the same thing, but it's really different at the same time. So yeah, I mean, do, do, are you are you glad you did? I would say you've done it for eight years. You like um, liked some aspect of it, otherwise you wouldn't have done it. I owe much of where I am in life to the experience that I got and to the to the service that I have. I wouldn't say I'm. 
I mean, I'm not a, I'm not very vocal about it. I'm not like super proud of it to the point where I'll be like, yeah, you better, you better watch out. I'm a, I'm a war vet. <laughs> I'm a veteran. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I find that whole line of thought really off-putting. Yeah. Um, so the the best way I can really put it is that I'm really glad that I did it, but I would not do it again to save my life. So. And and also real quick, uh, what has been your experience with the VA? Oh God, the VA. <laughs> How much time do we have to talk? Yeah, I about know, this? right? Um, I think the VA is a fantastic concept and yeah. a fantastic idea. I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred and ten percent behind it in concept. Yeah. However, like with all government programs, all pro- like uh, I, yes, was all pro- about, I was just going to say that all programs, yeah, the execution has been piss poor. Yeah. Um, at least in my experience, I know some guys that I served with that have had really good experiences. Um, my personal experience has been. Um, that it's been a a very long, drawn out process where the VA will just do everything they can to try and get out of what they're supposed to be doing for for veterans. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm lucky. I'm lucky now. I've got everything that I tried to get done settled with them. They finally recognized everything that I've I've talked to them about. But, um. By the same now that now the the VA healthcare that at least in my experience has been a a world of difference. Yeah. Uh, the the Veterans Benefit Administration, which is the ones that handles disability claims, that's been a completely completely polar opposite of 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 the healthcare I've received. Okay. The healthcare system, at least in the clinic I go to, has been okay, but I've also heard really bad stories coming out of different hospitals and clinics with that. Yeah, um, I know they've kind of got a they've got a spotlight on them. They've got a lot of bad rap right now, uh, and I think that a lot of that's deserved. I think that, and I, I I encourage people, especially a lot of people. I know the tendency right now is to kind of want to a lot of a lot of politicians and a lot of people are pushing socialized healthcare right now. Yeah. And government-run healthcare, and I I encourage people to look at a Facebook group called uh, like VA is lying, and like VA is what VA is lying. There's a Facebook group called VA is lying. Oh, VA um, is lying. Okay. Yeah. Um, look at that. Read through 20, 25 posts about the healthcare the government's already providing to war veterans, and let me know how you feel about them doing that to everyone. Right. Because. Like like I said, uh, uh, I, I'm a firm believer that privatization is a is a better move in most aspects of things. Um, now the government can definitely make the call, like, hey, a veteran can go to this hospital and seek treatment. We'll cover the bill, but just just kind of take a look at what's actually currently already happening with the system that's already in place with that before you jump to a conclusion on whether that's a good move for our country to go to. Yeah. Well, I, and that, that's the thing too, in, in the whole discussion about, you know, healthcare and stuff like that, I think people are assuming if it went to the government, you know, uh, they're assuming it'd be good. Well, everybody wants to think that the government is, uh, 
the good guy and out for the best interest. We're raised from a young age. Uh, you say the Pledge of Allegiance at school. Yeah. And America is the best country in the world, and everything is just hunky dory, and everybody else has just got it wrong. Yeah. Um, and that's a that's a very long conversation we can have at another time. But uh, <laughs> I just yeah. I was going to say, lot. actually, the, the card in here only has four hours and 44 minutes left. Yeah. We don't have enough. Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I could I could go for a good while on all this stuff. But. Yeah. But yeah, I just encourage everybody to kind of... My big thing, especially with the band, with Volume Zero, is to encourage people to open their eyes and think a little bit more and try and try and get people to understand a little bit more exactly what's going on mm. and um i mean i've seen i'm speaking solely from my own personal life experience about things but understanding what they're getting themselves into before they do things is a a huge part of huge part of life that i think our society is kind of missing out on right now mm -hmm. um and everything, everything sounds great in concept, but yeah. look at look at the people that are in charge of putting it into place, and then make the decision. Yeah, I think it makes a huge difference too that people are talking about universal health care with others. I mean, some are big countries. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of times when you look at government-run uh, healthcare, it's a much much smaller country. Oh yeah, which makes it easier to deal with and, and manage. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want to say. And I may be really wrong about this, but I mean, you've got you've got countries in Europe that are doing it right now, and a lot of them's landmass size are smaller than Texas. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I mean, the population may be uh, your population rate may be a little skewed based on um, uh, population per capita, but you've got to look at how many people are under the system and how well it's working. Yeah, um, because. It's. I mean, it's it's economics, and I'm um, I'm not super smart on economics. I Neither try and keep keep on top of things, but it's really hard. But I mean, uh, everything just kind of breaks down to your population, the percentage tax, and what the what the revenue generated from that is. And if you look at a country like uh, I think Switzerland has uh, socialized. They do. There. Yep. And. It's working well for them, from what I understand. All the Nordic countries, yeah. Yeah, but how many people really live there? Exactly, it's a very small country. Yeah, so you've got to you've got to look at that on a scale. I think the last I looked um, and the last article I read, socialized healthcare for the United States would cost something like thirty-six trillion dollars. I saw thirty-two. Okay, so thirty-two. Um, still, but do you know? Do you know what we spend on our current though? Currently, what we spend on healthcare. Uh, well, I, do not. I mean, you know, there's, there's a bunch of people, like, you know, like if a homeless person, you know, uh, gets injured and goes into the hospital and he's obviously he's not paying for that. You know, there's there's tons yeah. of different reasons why. But right now we're paying we're paying uh, uh, forty nine trillion. Forty nine trillion. Yeah. On healthcare. So that that's and that's the major argument that Bernie and everybody else they go look this yeah. is cheaper. Yeah, definitely. You know? uh, and whether I, it's now that doesn't mean it's better. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, definitely. But that's um, what a lot of people are missing, where people go, 32, give me a break, $32 trillion, that's a lot of yeah. money. And you can't imagine, like, when, when you hear that, you're like, oh my god, what we're currently got is probably like $500 billion or something. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Let me let me take you to Jordan's perfect world right now. Okay. Um, so Jordan's perfect world, the entire federal government would fit in a small office building. Yeah. Um, 
So, I mean, a lot of people compare healthcare spending to defense spending, and they say, oh, if we would spend less on defense, we would have more money for healthcare. And I completely agree with that. Yeah, I do. So do I. Why do we spend so much on defense? I don't, I don't know. It's so ridiculously more than everybody else. Well, uh, last I last I knew, we were bombing seven different countries. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> Bombs aren't cheap. No. Military salaries aren't cheap. Maybe looking at our foreign policy and trying to figure out why we're spending so much on defense when we could probably half that and mm-hmm. just pull everyone back home and keep the country safe, which yeah. is kind of the point of the military, of course. as opposed to being entangled. And I just read an article uh, yesterday, and it, it just absolutely broke my heart. We're, we're involved in this, this weird proxy war in, in Yemen right now, mm-hmm. and uh, we're allied with Syria against some rebels there. It kind of sounds like Syria. Uh, we're 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 uh, we're aligned with Saudi Arabia because they're our allies, right? Fighting some rebels in Yemen, and there was this big article that came out yesterday. A school bus full of children got bombed, and they were oh. trying to figure out if it was a U.S. bomb that actually hit the bus or not. Right. Like twenty kids got killed. Jeez. I don't recall Congress declaring war on Yemen. No. I don't recall Congress declaring war on anyone. In the past 10, 15 years, we've got our our war in Afghanistan raging into its close to 20 year mark with no exit strategy. Shit. I think maybe if we were to just leave everybody alone and worry about ourselves, that would cut down on half the problem right there. Absolutely. Well, and the biggest problem that I saw, as far as, you know, yeah, I'm the same way where it's like, no, reduce military. We're already, we've got so much. And I do realize that, yes, that many people are mad at us, so it makes sense. You know what I mean? But then there's the whole problem of, you know, uh, if we were to cut a bunch, you know, bring a bunch of people back home, well, now you're talking about a whole other large group of people that now don't have a job. You know, you right. know what I mean? We're talking now more more mouths to feed, so to speak. Now, that, right. that doesn't mean, of course, they can't get jobs, but, you know. Right, and I mean, we could go into the fact that my opinion is that the reason they're mad at us in the first place is we've been bombing them for generations and killing their kids, <laughs> and I mean, there's no end in sight in it. Yeah. So, I mean, you got, figuratively, you have a terrorist, you bomb him, you kill him, and he's got five kids, and now they're all terrorists. I mean, yeah. we're not, we're, we're fighting an unwinnable war right now. Yeah. But... That's kind of that's kind of way up there in the uh, in the sphere of of opinion. So this is always what I actually wanted to ask a veteran. Um, I mean, I've met plenty, but like I didn't have sit down time like this. Yeah, I'm all yours, you know. man. Yeah, whatever you need. Which is um, <laughs> crap. I lost my train of thought. Hold on a second. I'm You're gonna good. Cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, oh yeah. The discipline part of the part of the military. Yeah. Does that because I feel like anybody that's in the military and they get that the classic making the bed all tight and perfect. Oh and, yeah, hospital uh, corners and all that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I knew it was something corners. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, do you feel like that did something for you? Because I feel like if you're completely, you're one of those, you know, completely lost people. That that kind of helps out of it. You know what I mean? Like it kind of changes the way you think. Not on a full scale, you know what I mean? Not right. like brainwashing, definitely, you know, or anything like that. But now, you know, 
I definitely think that some of it is brainwashing. Um, well, yeah, but but I was just referring to. Do you think it, it it has had an advantage in your life, your civilian life? Um, well, I come from a really small town in Indiana, mm-hmm. not much to speak of. Um, and I I enlisted at 19 years old because that was the best job I could find. Like I didn't want to <laughs> yeah. work factory work until I died and be miserable. I didn't work in a fast food restaurant and try and figure out what I was doing with my life. Yeah. And uh, it definitely, I mean, I was I was a 19-year-old kid. I'd lived with my parents up until that point. I'd never really been on my own. Um, there's definitely a lot of good, uh, a lot of good values and a lot of good uh, instruction that is imparted. Yes, that's what I always thought. You yeah, know? and I mean, the main thing I really carried away from it that I think has really helped me out as a as a husband, as a father myself, is just continuing to carry on and do what you need to do to get the job done. Yeah. Um, the big the big uh, phrase I think that is mentioned a lot is adapt and overcome, mm-hmm. and everybody's familiar with that one, but. Um, so the discipline was a, was a, was a foundation to that. Right. Um, there are still guys I've got, uh, that I served with. I talked to on a weekly basis. There are some that I've lost touch with, but we all, I mean, it's, it's, it's a situation not quite unlike being in a band and being on the road where, I mean, you, you do what you got to do to get the job done and, you may not always know exactly how it's going to play out, but you do your best and you kind of compile everything you got. And uh, it just kind of, I feel like it's bettered me as a person overall because yeah. I, I, I'm a high drive person naturally, but it has just kind of augmented that and made me to the point where I just, I just kind of go and go and go. And yeah. no matter, no matter what it takes, I mean, like if it's, if it's a situation with my kids where they have, they need a little extra something, and maybe I don't have the money, I'll figure out a way to get it get yeah. it going. So um, it's just kind of a. It definitely, it definitely, I like I said uh, earlier in the conversation, it's definitely something I'm very glad I did because it helped me grow up and helped me learn a lot about myself and helped me learn how the world works on a it's bigger exactly scale. Exactly what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, like. Not it doesn't to, even matter if you disagree with the government. You still you got those you know skills or those you know experiences I mean, that are going to help you. Especially like I mean I was I was in I was in law enforcement in the military and I mean if anything bare minimum breaking it down to the bottom thing I've at least got a job skill set to fall back on. Yeah, but um, it's just it's been a thing that has it's carried me to the point I'm at in life and it's it's been like I, like I was saying earlier in the conversation it's it's definitely something I'm very glad I did because it's put me where I'm at right now but I would not do it a second time right. willingly yeah yeah well that makes me feel good because that, that kind of is the way I thought about it you know what I mean like I said if even if you disagree with uh, the military in general but you were in the service you still have those those uh, not skills, coping mechanisms, I guess. And and I was thinking even yeah. confidence. Do you ever, like you know, say you're going in for a job interview or something like that, you know, and you just kind of go like, look, you know, you have more confidence because you can go, dude, I've been to Iraq, I've yeah. seen something, like you know what I'm saying, where you go, 
you get more confident because you go, this is this is nothing. I'm not gonna die in this situation, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I mean, it's almost, it's almost, yeah, exactly. Does it's that almost, work? It's I mean, almost, is that the way it works? Sometimes. I would almost call it that I'm desensitized. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. just like, <clears throat> I mean, I've had I've had bullets pass within ten feet of my body. Nothing else really compares to that. Jeez, Nothing no. else is quite that bad. So, except for getting hit by one. <laughs> definitely, yeah. That is. <laughs> That is not on my to-do list anytime soon. No. Um, I've basically that's kind of been my benchmark. Like uh, I, I did I did seven months in Iraq and then I did a year in Afghanistan and I'm like, well, I could be in Afghanistan again. That's yeah. been my benchmark. That's like the lowest of the low in my mind so far. Afghanistan in life. worse than Iraq. Yeah. Okay. We had a really rough time there. Um, and uh, I don't really want to. I don't really want to sell it short. Or, or play it up to be anything that it was other than it was it was a rough time and that was kind of like my, my it's my benchmark for, for gauging how life is going at this point yeah and it's always like 100% of the time it's been better than it was there so <laughs> so I, I'm always at an, a bit of an advantage I, I, I've been told I come across kind of cocky and I come across as kind of overconfident but not to I, me but I, I've only known you for like an hour <laughs> well fair enough I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I actually, I, I loved that interview. Um, I, I especially find it um, particularly interesting when I'm talking to somebody that didn't just do a tour or two, like he was there for a long time, which means, I mean, you know, you decided to do that. Um, that means, you know, the experience, though, no matter how scary it may be, um, you made a conscious decision to com continue to go. And I think that makes for more interesting answers to any questions you might have for anybody that was in the military. Anyway, thank you, Jordan, for uh, the interview. Uh, and yeah, I, that's just about, you know, I think right here we should have an, uh, an outro. <laughs> A PFT Media Production.